Hey folks, I'm Mike Shea from SlyFlourish.com here with another episode of the DM's Deep Dive. In this show, we get together with a community expert and we pick one particular topic of interest to the D&D community and dive deep into that topic. And today I am here with the GM, Tim. Uh, uh, Tim, would hey. you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, community expert. Wow, that's not like I know. super efficient. We get over, we, you have to get over your imposter syndrome right away. Every, right? It's a mandatory, yeah, right. gotta get past it. All right, over it, over it. Um, hi, I'm the GM Tim. I'm a professional game master in uh, Vancouver, BC. Um, I say game master because I don't run just D&D, &D, uh, but that is my primary game. Um, I also am a featured dungeon master at D&D in a castle in Europe once a year. Um, I'm a DM trainer for Baldman Games um, and working on a training guide kind of for Baldman Games for their stuff they're working on. Um, and I write. I got to do my first D&D uh, Adventures League adventure this year. Um, that was a, an experience. And then I got to, I get to write my own, I'm writing my own Goblin series called uh, I Am Goblin and So Can You. I have I have played this. Yeah, adventure. yeah, it was so much fun, and it was wonderful. <laughs> we had such a good it time. It was such a good. Time. I was just talking about it earlier today. <laughs> it's, it's a awesome. really good adventure. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, and just just to keep the imposter syndrome good, I have my nice background behind me of my pretty books, but then yeah. right there you can see my crappy office. <laughs> it's okay. I got right rain. over on this side. So yeah, I got we, rain we're all about because Vancouver. <laughs> we're all about imposter syndrome here. So as we do on this show, uh, I like to start it off by 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 digging into some some tips that people can use use right away when they're thinking about their games. Yeah. So from from your experiences uh, running professional D and D games, mm -hmm. what are what are three tips you have for for all DMs to run better games? So three tips I have to run a better game: um, keep notes. All right. <laughs> like, like it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be detailed, uh, but just like. Even uh, I've learned really quickly to keep notes of my NPC names and then the how I make the voice that they do. Uh, otherwise, I lose the voice every single time. And I've only got like five voices, so it's not hard for me to like lose it. But uh, still, try and keep like track of the voices. Um, don't worry about over -pre -pre preparation if you're doing an ongoing story. Um, and I, I know that's kind of like anti sort of thought, but we put like so much emphasis on the prepare for every possible thing and don't have your kind of like, I am going to do these couple things tonight and then let the players give you the rest of it. Because if you're doing an ongoing campaign, they're going to have their ideas about how to do things and you want to really sort of fly with that. And the third one is breathe um, and, and like take deep breaths and just kind of like, go with it because it will always break and that is actually more part of the game than having an adventure ready to go those are those, those are, are those are outstanding man you had those it's like you had those ready I, it's, it's like you've been coached <laughs> like i was coached or something i don't know man i found this weird email the other day and i've been like panicking over it yeah <laughs> and, and you'll, you'll notice that that all of a sudden through the magic of the internet my background has now sized itself correctly so my office didn't show up Ooh. yeah i don't know who's responsible for that but i bet they're a, clearly an expert in this in this area i bet that they got tiefling horns and a crown somewhere they probably have tiefling horns and a crown somewhere yeah, but the crown is inflatable just right. throwing that out there <laughs> <laughs> we are i i will so we might as well introduce introduce <laughs> our guardian angel tonight is none other than james intercasso <laughs> Woo! 
<laughs> James, with your devil horns and your inflatable inflatable crown, right? Yeah. That's true. And nothing else. The audience can't see me. That's all I am wearing. Right That's now. all you've got. Right. We talked about that when you were roommates, man. You gotta put something else on. <laughs> <laughs> so in the in the topic of of preparation, and you brought up like you cannot have you cannot be prepared for all possible. Uh, no. situations right and all possible con contingencies and this is something that i think is a really a really important point and what so how you know i think for particularly for new dms where they're not they're not used to that and they think they have to have sort of a decision tree right what are some of the things that they can prepare uh that that aren't based on where they think things are going to go but still help them to move the game forward and at the right time you know, I'll tell you, having a decision tree is actually not a bad idea, but yeah. don't make it the only thing, right? Because if you've got like a few options for yourself, you're set. If, 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 but if you, if you don't allow yourself to be able to just go off the rail, that's when you're really hooped. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. I, overthinking it is kind of like your, your biggest arch nemesis. Right. Um, that's that's the thing, right? Having your kind of plot, you know, you need them to get from A to B, and if right. they go to C, then you move B over to C. <laughs> over to C, <laughs> you know, like they wherever you, you go, to... there's a wizard tower. But it is. It's yeah. kind of like <laughs> like it doesn't matter. So they don't go to the wizard tower. Big deal. They go to the castle keep that has the same people doing the same things in the same scenario that right. you needed them to do. And they still have agency because you're going to flavor it up a little bit differently, but you still can have the same plot and do the same story that you need them to do. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so, so one of the topics I thought was really interesting is like the difference between how I, th I think most people run their D and D games, and how and, and particularly in how they prepare for a D and D game, and mm -hmm. how how you do so in a in a professional setting where you actually have like like what do you do you how do you refer to those who are who are uh, uh, you know how do you, the, your your customers? I I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to plant a word, but no, no players. Clients, I just call them players. players. Your, your players, okay? Yeah, yeah. I just call them players because they are they're players in the end, right? Right. Um. And and I mean, some people might want to use the official term clients, and if they're if they're like a business, um, and I'm doing like corporate stuff, which I've only done once, mm -hmm. um, then yeah, I'd call them probably clients. But if it's just a players, then they're players. Um, but for them, it's like. So we the very first the very first thing we do is, is session zero, mm -hmm. um, always, and we kind of lay out the the things we want to explore in this arc. How long do we want it to go? Are we wanting to deep dive into these characters? Do we want to just do a story? Do you want me to just sit down and go? Here's your adventure tonight. What do you want as players? Um, and then and then we kind of build our characters together, um, and then we use. The stuff that's built in those characters as much as possible that's what i try and base my stories on um because the more that they do and the more they're involved the better it is for an experience that you don't get anywhere else right mm -hmm. um and i'm kind of trying to base my whole concept off of going to the movies and going to adventure league games like you want it to be that kind of like really unique thing that you get to do and that's what league games usually are for people who don't get to cons except for once a year, right? Um, it's like that one kind of cool experience. So I want to try and make my games kind of like that, where it's like um, Manny focused so much on just what my characters are doing, and then he involved all the rest of the team. And I, it, that's yeah, 
that's kind of like what I kind of focus on. So the prep comes down to like knowing what your characters are, what they want, um, and then what the players want their characters to be able to do, right? So uh, one of my biggest games right now that I'm running, I got one actually after this tonight. Um, uh, one of them turned into, she's gone from being um, an Asimar who has an angel as her mother and that's her patron. She's kind of like doing a warlock, um, an Asimar warlock who's got an angel as her patron and didn't know her father. And so the adventure I designed, the sort of campaign is dealing with demons. And so we're playing with the idea that maybe her dad is a demon. Mm -hmm. And so she's starting to push her character more away from this good aligned creature into more of a neutral, maybe not so actually good. And we're really like, I'm really, I'm screwing with her completely and totally. And you know, like <laughs> I, she knows it, but it's it's part of the adventure, right? Like you get to actually like push your character in a way that you don't think. Um, and I'll never touch the golden box of the character sheet, right? But but I'll definitely manipulate all the story around it. I've heard <laughs> I've heard some people refer to that as as like handling knives or drawing knives. Have you heard of this phrase? There was a there was a a Reddit post from a couple of years ago that floats around uh, where you know, and I've, I heard it. It came up at a panel that I was on where it's essentially like the players are handing knives over to the DM with the recognition that they're probably going to get cut. Yeah. Not in a bad way. Yeah. Right. I think... But in a, in a vulnerable sort of in a, 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 a vulnerable way that so... they, they both know is going to head towards a good story. Yeah. But I don't know if it's a vulnerable, like, I don't know. I don't like that. I don't like the drawing knives concept because that it still implies that it's going to hurt. Right. Right. So for me, it'd be more like I, I always really my my gaming Yoda um, was this person who taught me. God, every I I attribute everything I know about DMing to him. He's like he's my icon. Have um, you have and, you read my book? Yeah, it wasn't you, but um. So uh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I love you. Well, it's been great having you. Um, <laughs> yeah. I yeah, gotta thanks, go. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, thanks, I James. Yeah, I got, got another person yeah. I'm interviewing. Here no, no. Uh, his, uh, his name is Brian. He lives up in uh, like in northern BC. Yeah, he. I learned everything I know from him, and and his big thing was feed the DM. Mm -hmm. So so the more that the players give the DM, the more the DM should use what the players gave and throw it back at them. And I think that that is really kind of like. It's not throwing knives, it's a food fight. Okay, yeah. It's it's way more fun. Some things are gonna yeah. stick, some things yeah. are gonna leave a bruise, but it's really really gonna hurt. It's right. gonna be messy, but it it's may gonna eat be so the 32 much fun. ounce Coke, but you may, yeah, yeah. You it'll might make for your, a memorable story. You might get your liter of cola, you might get your, <laughs> right. you know, your 10 deciliters, you know, but you're gonna, yeah. Excellent, uh, excellent. Yeah, so um, how, so how, how does your approach for, for, for paid players, uh, differ for ones uh, that that you are, are that aren't paying, if if at all. And the answer might be, well, I'll it let you doesn't. Know. It doesn't. No. Yeah. No, I. No, it doesn't. I used to like somebody had asked me that before, and I was like, no, I, it doesn't, because I have I have a couple of games where I don't I don't charge because we've been doing them for so long, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I, I even handed off the reins from one of them, and I don't. DM anymore. I play in it, mm -hmm. um, and and it it's the same. It's the same sort of steps. I still do the same kind of thing where it's like, no, no, I gotta gotta be ready for every scenario, and I'm not gonna be ready for every scenario. So here's what I'll be ready for instead. Yeah, um, yeah. Do do you find that the players treat it differently, or or do they do they come to the table differently, or is it is it still pretty much the same way there too? 
Um, I, I, do they have a higher expectation for the game? I think if they, I think if they knew, no, I, I don't think so. I, I don't know if anyone has, <laughs> I don't know if anyone has high expectations for the game. <laughs> I, I would say I, that I my, seriously doubt that. I would say that my one shots, when I do my one shots, which is just like a, I just, I get called out, I go and do something, they would have a higher expectation because because I'm bringing to them an entire story, right? So I'm bringing the characters, I'm bringing the dice, I'm bringing the story, and I've got to present it to them. And even those, I will try my very best to get as much information beforehand as possible and then deliver it to them. So what, what is your approach for but, getting that information? Uh, email mostly. So yeah, uh, yeah well, because I am a very, I'm a very packed schedule kind of person. Like I've got things scheduled until next year already. So for me, it's very much a, here's the dates I'm available. When do you want? And it's a lot of back and forth until we hammer something down. And while I'm doing that, I'm also like, how many players do you have? Who's played before? What level are you thinking of? Uh, are there stories you do want to do? Are there things you don't want to do? And we try and angle that into all of this stuff so that by the time I'm ready to like, okay, here's the date and here's the adventure and I'll see you then. Um, it's, it's and, and you've already, you yeah, at that point, you already have a good idea of the kind of game that they're looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even that won't won't always be, like I did one at the beginning of the month in February, uh, and it's the second time I've done it for this group. I'm, I, I'm their birthday present to themselves. Um, and we do, a, we do a massive adventure with about seven players, and one of them even played his character from last year, and he called him Greg from last year. Um, <laughs> And we, we started off with going to do like this kind of like classic dungeon crawl. And I got there and they started making jokes about playing like this investigative team. And one of them's like, yeah, like MI6. And the entire game switched into this giant. <laughs> it was a James Bond D&D game. Um, mm -hmm. And it was, it was stupid amounts of fun. And it was just right off the top of my head as we sat down. Mm -hmm. So I had certain elements that I wanted to do still that I had prepped. Because one of the characters is like, I really want this, and I really want this, and like, great, we'll fit that in. Um, but yeah, otherwise, they just kind of like, we just, we just, just went with it. Um, I'm, pr I'm pretty okay. At, I'm pretty okay at coming up with like, uh, holy crap, I need a story, like, write me out, and and I'll just do it. Um, but uh, yeah, That's I'd awesome. like uh, the more I have kind of ready, the better my adventures are, straight up. So what, um, so what are the things that you, I think you touched on this a little bit, but when like, like go, go through your prep process for me, like when you have that, right, you've, 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 you've gone through the emails, so, you've got an idea and now, you know, a game's coming up. So I'll, I'll look at the characters and I, and I always ask for one paragraph, no more than two ever. Um, and if they <laughs> seriously, if what they if it's four me, pages long with no, then paragraph. I read the first two paragraphs and that's it. Like I, I will stop because it's, too much. If you give me a completed story, I can't present a story to you. But if you give me a, two paragraphs of your character, especially if it's a one shot, because I've only got three hours, right. I don't have time to give you a full flesh story, right? So if you give me two paragraphs, I get enough out of the ideas of certain elements that you want to do with your character, and I can build a couple encounters around that. So by the time I'm done, if I've got five characters, I've got between five and 10 possible encounters that I can pick and choose from. And then I weave the story in between that. So I'll do my encounters usually first. I'll try and come up with at least one really cool environment um, that I can put one of those encounters into. And then I and then I I finagle the encounter as I go. So if if, if I do my first round and I just <laughs> tool the, the players off the first kind of couple of hits, I'll immediately like <laughs> like like just 
pull back. And I won't, I won't make it obvious. I'll just drop an extra D6 from that damage the next time I hit. Because they've already taken damage, so they're already going to be scared, which means they're already going to change their tactics, right? And then I don't worry about hit points so much as I worry about encounter length. But that's a that's a little bit of a different concept. Here. But when, when you for the when prep, you say I just kind of like prep the encounter based off the book, I just use the general sort of generic. I really love the D and D Beyond encounter builder. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, it's one of my favorite things now because it's a perfect sort of setting. It's it like it just. I'm uh, not setting placement. It just kind of places it exactly as I need it for a base point. And then I can move it around after that. Um, but so yeah, when you're I'll talking make... encounter, just to make sure I'm clear, because I think that the definitions of encounter can change. Is that scene or is that specifically combat encounter? Oh, uh, scene, I guess. Okay. Cause... So they're not all combat encounters when you talk no. about getting your encounters together. No. Um, well, uh, let's let's use, um, I know some people won't have played it yet, but let's use the Goblin Adventure right. you and I played together. Okay? Yeah. So um, they all had encounters worked into them, like actual combat in, worked into them, but each of those was their own separate encounter. And they were, they were placed with like environment around them. Um, and you probably could have taken environment out of a couple of them and it had been really good. And you probably could have taken the monsters. Like you could have taken the Kotoa Adventure the Kotoa could didn't have to be there at all. Like mm -hmm. just just that bridge alone was a really good encounter, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll try and come up with stuff that the characters can do really well. In this case, um, a really strong character. Like in my mind, there's nothing better than giving a strong character that aspect to shine with their actual strength and athletics checks. And then even more so when they fail, or I mean, if they fail, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, then have that really awesome, silly thing that they can now joke about that the rest of the team just witnessed that they're like, yeah, you suck. Mm -hmm. No, I'm really strong. <laughs> sure you are, right? Okay. You know, like, yeah. Cool. And so, so how guess, many, I guess for me, that's a scene. Is that a scene to you? Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. that's, uh, yeah. So I think the, the, I think the nomenclature uh, for, for 5e D and D is that an encounter is a scene, right? An encounter is, yeah, that's it, how it, I it doesn't matter. It. Right. It could be, it could be any of the three. Do yeah. you, how much do you kind of, well, so uh, I got so many questions. Uh, what is, how many of those do you put together per, you know, per session? You said that like a three hour session, how many of those would you prepare? Uh, at least one for every character. But whether or not oh, okay. I use them is another concept, right? Because yeah. if I can get a really good one, it will feed into more. Gotcha. Um, and whereas some, you'll feed it to them and they'll be like, yeah, I'm going to go to the bar instead. And you're like, well, but they're right there, standing there taunting you. Yeah, I don't care. They can taunt all they want. Now you're like, okay, well, not going to use that one, right? And there's, <laughs> there's 20 minutes that you've got to now fill with right. narrative. Something else, yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you've done your homework with your character a little bit, um, then you know, okay, well, this person um, isn't a drinker. So what can I do to their food maybe that can like still make them have to make a con save? Or um, while everyone else is uh, carousing, they see somebody else doing something sinister and or silly and or adventure tokeny, right? Like, so you can you can feed into that like, your adventure begins in a tavern without actually saying your adventure begins in a tavern. Mm -hmm. So that's- Yeah, so I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm missed it and I'm, I'm slow. You actually are building your counters per character. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, okay. When it's- when Start it's with your characters shot. and then you're thinking about your encounters based on like, hey, what would be cool for this particular character? Yeah, 
and yeah. then sort of build. And I'll in. do it. I'll do it as often as I can, but it's not always possible, right? Like, sure. well, for example, today, um, the game that I have right after, we're just gonna like it's gonna be going. Like, I've got a couple monsters I want to use, <laughs> um, and and we have like, like an ongoing storyline that continually gets rewritten because the players will keep doing something or figure something out a little too early. And I don't want to make it like this. Well, duh. Like, we saw the end of that movie, Tim. Like, <laughs> we know this one, right? So you have to kind of like be able to rewrite and kind of keep going with your stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so one of the things, and, and this this always, uh, when, when I go to conventions and stuff like that, I, I definitely see this with different DMs that I run into. And having played a game with you, I certainly know where you fall on this spectrum <laughs> of sort of DMs that are, uh, you know, I'm not sure competitive is the exact right word, but, or, you know, competitive and antagonistic are two words that come to mind. And those that are really driven to work with the players and the characters around the story. Yeah. Uh, is that, you know, how do you, have you, have you, have you dealt with players who are sort of expecting one, it's particularly like in, 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 a, in, a, in a, on a professional level, yeah. right? When you walk in that you are not their opponent. Right. Yeah. You are there. Do you ever have to break through that barrier and how do you do so? By accepting that sometimes you can't first rule. Um, but not, but accepting that you, sometimes you can't, that's strong, honest, like you just, sometimes you're just, you're going to be playing with players who expect you to be the enemy, hmm. um, not your monsters. Right. Uh, so, so trying to, trying to elicit a zone of trust is really, really key to any DM, professional or not. And I think that that even if you're playing a, an antagonistic, even if you're playing an, an opposed, an opposite, opposite, opposite DM, opposing DM, I don't, I don't want to put like a negative conversation. I know, right. I couldn't, I couldn't think of a word that didn't immediately like, you know. When you're playing a DM who is, who is, presenting constant threats to the players rather than using the players to um, elicit the story, you always run the risk of that's all you can do. Because then when you wanna have some really strong story structure and you need the players to trust that you're not gonna just screw them, they won't. Right. Um, whereas if you are able to continually, and I don't wanna just say follow the rule of cool because sometimes you gotta say no, right? But if you say no, you want to say no, but this happens, right? So um, I want to make that crystal dragon my, or that crystal drake my 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 pet. Well, no, you can't do that. You can, however, uh, take its skull and turn it into like a really cool mount for your staff, right? So now they've got, <laughs> and then later on, you can turn that dragon head into something they can animate with like, maybe the staff becomes the staff of illusion and the dragon head moves every now and then, right? Um, I had one player who, uh, at Winter Fantasy, actually, it wasn't, he, he, he got attacked by a, a monster and the monster just like, just tooled him. Like I, I crit and I did one less than his entire death. Like it, like oh. he had, yeah. Like he had 12 hit points and I did 23, 23 points. <laughs> yeah. And we're all like, oh my God, like everyone's tight butted right like it was like it was a it was a tough game and so i said do you trust me the player and he goes yeah all right i trust you i said okay don't make a death save you're gonna be you're gonna be stable but you've lost your arm 
And then <laughs> later on in that, so he played the rest. He was a rogue, so he couldn't do ranged shots. He, he lost his bow ability. At the very end of the game, they saved this mad scientist and they used, they, they, this guy realized he was a mad scientist who was like sewing people together and he forced him to make him a new arm. So we used a hook horror. <laughs> so he is a goblin with that, a hook horror. Yeah. Him. And, and I you know, remember like, I first heard that story at Winter Fantasy from the players where that went through it. Like they came to yeah. the next game or like, you never believe what yeah. happened in our yeah. last game. Yeah. Had a hook horror hand. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun, right? And they right. did that. They came up with the idea by just allowing me to be like, okay, I'm going to give you, I'm going to present for you a difficulty. It's going to suck. Was this but an I'm Adventures not... League game yeah. too? Yeah. So the interesting thing there is I feel like in Adventures League, a lot of DMs don't feel like they have the freedom to be able to do something like that. I know. It's kind of unfortunate. And you're, a, that's... you're not just an Adventures League DM. You're, no. a, you're a herald. I, I, yeah. Oh, yeah, I am too. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you're a green shirt. <laughs> I am, yeah. I'm a little, I'm a little four. <laughs> Holy, yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm up there. Um, and I, 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 yeah. It's one of my big encouragements. Every time I see a DM and they're like, "What do I do?" I'm like, "Go with it, man. Like, right. go with it." Like but the story that, says this. I'm like, that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. They'll never forget that. And the arg, yeah. The argument that we're 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 crossing over into discussions about Adventures League stuff. But one of the arguments for the Adventures League is you want to have this consistent play experience. But the stories that most get shared, the ones where it was inconsistent. Well, yeah, but no, no, no. So this is this is where I think there's a big fault with how people talk about the league. This is the biggest thing. It it's completely consistent. I ran the exact same game as all the other tables. And, and they there. all lost an arm and got a hook or a hand? No, but that's not the adventure. <laughs> right. That wasn't the adventure. That was the characters. And that's the really right. fine line. The adventure yeah. happened and all the players went through the exact same adventure. The difference is, is every DM has the ability and is encouraged to really kind of like play into those extra things that we could do to make that game that much more awesome. And being a professional DM, that's that's my focus, right? Like it's kind of like taking that rule of cool and not letting the rules be the overpowering. They've got a mesh, right? It's like the capital R rule of cool, right? Like you take the rules and you make them cool. It's mm -hmm. not hard to do. Mm -hmm. So this, this player lost an arm. Mechanically, it's like Char hugely disadvantaged. Arm. Character, yeah. <laughs> right? Character. Ah! <laughs> oh my God. Don't worry, I'm, I got a hook I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's going to show up on your we'll survey. Get, we'll get the balloon guy to make you a new one. <laughs> um, he, that was actually really cool. He made his character. He was the one that lost his, his, his character lost his arm. He made his goblin with a hook or anyways. Right. Um, but the, the, the idea that you take this, the, the rule as, as written, the raw, take it as written and now make it story. Don't, don't make it this mechanical thing that must be followed or else, because there's no such thing. If that were the case, we wouldn't have all these streams that we have. We wouldn't right. have all these leagues. Look at all the adventures on the DMs Guild. Yeah. Look at all the, look at all the people who are like, probably like, I know I got a bunch of tweets and so did you guys. Like, how do I be a professional DM? You would never have thought this if we were right. <laughs> like it. This is the first edition where that's happened. And I think that one of the main reasons it's happening is because we gave DMs agency to be DMs for the story. You're the narrator, you're the, you're the 
co you are a player just as much as anyone else yeah i've i've brought this up on other on other episodes but like you know for for those of us that have been playing for a while about maybe 10 years ago we were talking about how the game was going to die with the gen xers you know that all the kids these days aren't going to play D&D they love them some video games and now that that conversation never happens no, <laughs> no one is saying that again but I bet you, I bet you, and I'm not saying this, I'm not starting an edition war. I actually don't care what edition you play, but I'm willing to bet that if we had stayed 3.5, that would still be the case. I'm willing to bet that that was, because it was so entrenched in knowing the rules. Yeah. You had to have your stack of books. You had to have your knowledge of lore. You had to have all of those things to play and the gatekeepers just weren't opening the doors. And I right. think one of the best things that happened to D&D was fourth edition because it forced all the gates to break. And then <laughs> they had to rebuild and they built for fifth and fifth is brilliant. It is easily one of the best role-playing games that exists. I know that it's like one of the granddaddies, but it's it's amazing. And then when you go from that, you go to like Star Wars, man, you want to learn how to DM a game with narration, play mm -hmm. Edge of the Empire and mm -hmm. get those books soon because it sounds yeah, like right. it's out of print. Yeah. yeah, man, what a stupid decision that is. But mm. that's a whole other conversation. Mm. Um, but I mean, they like, had the story dice, right? They had the whole idea that. Yeah, certain, you don't have yeah. numbers. You have to narrate everything you right. do. And it's you play one of those and then you go to D&D &D and you're like, yeah, you hit. And? Yeah, right. right and no man you slash into his armor and he laughs at you as you tumble over and slices open his armor a little bit but it doesn't do any damage next turn right, right like right yeah i don't know but it changed the way you you kind of like conceptualize things right but it wouldn't have happened without that kind of like that resurgence that fifth edition brought to it i mean so, it's yeah yeah, no, I, I'm, I agree, obviously, <laughs> yeah. from, from everything yeah. I've been doing. I love fifth. Yeah, um, I do too. But I love all role-playing games, though. That's the thing. Right. Like, yeah, I, I do too. And I, we're actually, yeah, a, whole other I side topic. A, but I'm seeing some really interesting new RPGs come out that really caught my attention. I, wow. Yeah, but I mean, like, for part of the professional stuff, like, I run a Star Wars game. I run two Star Wars games. And I run a, D uh, a Star Trek game. Right. Um, and and I, I approach them with the same kind of rules. Like, it's like the rules are there to help me kind of guide the story along and I'll use them as best as I can. And sometimes I'll enforce them because I need to make sure that that balance exists for me too. Right. But there's no way that I'm going to memorize all of that stuff. And especially when it comes to like a player talent, like if a player looks at me and goes, no, I get to do this. I'll be like, okay, like I want to check that later. We'll go with it now, but yeah. Okay, cool. Cause man, I don't have those spells memorized. It terrifies <laughs> me when I can tell you what page to go to to open up to an adventure, like the, to like, uh, uh, oh man, I used to know all the all the equipment. 173? Beat me, man. I think it's 173. <laughs> I haven't any idea. I don't know, it's somewhere in the player's yeah. handbook, I think. It is, yeah. But I mean, like I can, I used to be able to just be like, flip, here it is. And yeah. Like, yeah, like, but yeah, anyways. So, so we talked a little bit about uh, uh, the the drastic differences you have between preparing for uh, uh, you know, pay, you know players who are paying you and playing for players who are not, which is zero. Zero. Right. Yeah. And but also as 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 a as as a, a herald GM for for Baldwin and, and and running Adventures League games, uh, how does your prep for those games differ from the other two, if at all? Uh, so the difference with those is I have to I have to know the adventure I have to know it as well as I can and I, I I'll be honest like when when 
fifth first started coming out and the league kind of started growing, you could phone in those adventures. And I don't mean that in a bad way, like DMs are busy people too. And it's hard to run seven players and monsters um, rather than just sitting down at the table and going, I'm playing this character, rolling these dice for this character, right? So sometimes you don't have time to prep as well as you want to, but I want to make sure that I know the story. I want to make sure that I know where I can manipulate if I need to. I want to know where I can skip if I need to, because you're on a time crunch and you have to be able to cut things out um, without offending the author's uh, creation. Um, I, I'm not so much worried about whether or not the players will do something different than another group because they're only going to talk about the awesome things. They're not going to sit there and go, now, did you go through this encounter every single time? You know, like, the, <laughs> right. I, I don't think they're going to do that. And if they do, well, power to you. I love that you know the adventures that well, but realistically, you're supposed to be there to play the character and not worry about it, right? So um, if the if the players can kind of get into it that way and I can present to them different options, like the, like the goblin losing an arm, without offending the story, or having them have to like now go and find this doctor, right? Like that's my job is with that goblin, I had to make sure that I wasn't gonna punish him for letting me screw with him, right? I had to make sure that he was not gonna be, like I could now not present any encounters that required only long range because then this, this goblin is completely useless. Mm -hmm. um, so I have to know the adventure beforehand. And when it comes to like your own games at your home, when you're doing this, um, again, paid or not, that's that's the key, right? You you got to make sure you note that down and then carry on from there. So also with Adventures League, like you don't you don't, I, I presume you unless you're having happen to be playing Adventures League for the same group, you don't really know their characters, like not at all, you know. Yeah. And and it sounds like your 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 method of prep really focuses heavily on the characters up front. Yeah, like so asking my method, for the two paragraphs and building the encounter, you know, yeah, considering those characters while you're building the encounters out. But that's the beauty of Adventure League Adventures, right? Like, uh, and even my Goblin game is is if you write a really solid adventure that's published and and presented, you shouldn't have to worry about who's playing. It should just be able to play, and 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 that's kind of like the that's the trick, right? So for a, for a homebrew and for any campaign, you, you don't think about, it's not the same. You, they're not really comparable. They're different, they're different styles of presentation, I would argue. So I don't have to prep for the adventures. I, the adventurers, I prep the adventure. Yeah, and the trick, the trick with the, you know, a dirty and awesome trick with the goblin adventure is you know the goblin characters. You don't know the players that are going to be playing them but you you, exactly. you you can have some idea of like the way I built these characters. I have some expectation of how they're going to interface. Right. With the world. So yeah, with that one, I actually built and presented the the goblins to you guys. But it's also an adventure that like even if even if you if even if I had said to all of you build a goblin adventure or build a goblin character, right? Um, that game still would have worked, sure. right? Because yeah. because it's such a it's so based on on what the players not what the players do, but the order in which they do it. Right. And then the game focuses on the extra stuff that the characters are worried about, right? So none of you were concerned about what you were fighting. All you were concerned about was building your masks. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole adventure is it's not actually going out to fight things. It's about making yourselves these masks that turn you from squibs into hunters. Mm -hmm. 
or adults uh, into or into adults, right? Yeah. For your for your professional games, how often do you have to? Are they coming in completely fresh, like they've never played D and D before? Uh, not as often anymore. Really? Um, so mostly mostly yeah. people know what they're getting into. Yeah, I'd say I got about one a month or two where it's like a brand new one shot. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of my one shots lately have been to launch the adventures. So I'm finding a lot of people are like, hey, we have this group of people. Can you teach us how to be players and a DM? So I'll have the oh, DM sit with me yeah. and I'll run them through an adventure and show the DM how I'm doing things while I'm doing it. Cool. So they can continue on with the adventure. Um, I've only had one of those and I never heard back from them. After I was going to say like that, that sounds like you're working your way out of the gig. <laughs> a, a little bit, but at the same time, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. The primary reason I started charging for being a professional DM was because I couldn't afford not to. I had, I had at the time when I started this two years ago, I had four games in, in a month and, and I had more people being like, Hey, we want to, we want to DM and none, none one wants to DM. They, scared of it or they want to play or they don't think they know how um so i was like okay but it got to the point where i couldn't afford it because i was having to like take time off of shifts in order to run games or prep for games so the only way i could kind of adjust for that was by charging for it um and now i've got 10 events in a month i just did the math the other night hmm. and it's like holy cow like I've got so many things on the go and I didn't like, I don't know how, I don't know. Like, don't ask me how I do it. Cause I have no, I, I don't know. <laughs> what, how you manage that many games? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Someone was like, how do you keep your story straight? I'm like, oh. It's all up here. I think Ooh, real hard. Right? Like, yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> so like, but it, it, it's kind of part of it. But at the same time, I like, I, I, I definitely, I, I thought about that like lots. And I, I think that, I think that I rely on my characters like and my players a lot. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's part of the reason why it's so much fun, right? Because the players rely on you, the DM, so much. But you're still a player. So if, if you're the only one being relied on, then it's not going to be fun for you. It's right. now a job, right? Like, and mostly you don't get paid for it, right? Like, <laughs> like yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, we, I've been collecting questions both on Twitter and on Twitch and our, our guardian angel, James Intercasso, uh, will, will, will bring those to us. So uh, James, what, uh, what questions do we have tonight? Hey, everybody. Thank you so much uh, to everybody who is watching out there. And of course, to Cheers. Mike and Tim uh, for, uh, for being great. Um, so uh, <laughs> Tim, this question is from Pat and Prey on Twitter. Who wants Hi, to- Pat and Prey. <laughs> Patton wants to know uh, how do you relax when games are your job <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> no, for, the, for the podcast at home he lifted up a very large bottle of alcohol <laughs> I presume alcohol it's it could wine. be, ab it could be absinthe no. it could be poison um, I don't know so <clears throat> excuse me so I don't, I don't. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. It's become, it's gaming has become like such a major part of my life. It's almost like I just came out of the closet again. Like, it's like <laughs> all I am is gay. Now it's like, all I am is gaming. It's like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, I really like the GA words. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you, you know what I, you know what I love? I love, I actually love like going for walks with no podcast and no phone 
Um, I'm starting to go to the gym again and I do the same. Like I leave my phone, it, it stays at home. So like I have the walk to the gym and the walk home without my phone. Um, and I try and watch a movie as often as I can because I love my movies and I find that they're the best kind of like inspiration to homage um, for adventures. Um, the, problem, the problem I have is every single movie I've watched in the last two years has been broken down into dice rolls. Um, <laughs> including like i can even watch like a horrible movie now and it's like oh <laughs> the writer failed that failed that check yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and it's and it's actually more fun because i watch movies and i'm like yeah the character just forgot the plot there and that happens all the time <laughs> at the table like it happens all the time yeah. so these movies that are like angering people to no end i'm like eh, it's a game <laughs> what's a uh, what's a good movie you've seen recently that you recommend for this Oh my God! For like the when the the things go wrong, or well, sure, what like good inspiration for DMs. So good inspiration for DMs. If you want to see a movie that I I just watched it the other night, and it's like it's an example of impeccable writing. That if you can figure out how to do this in your stories, you are a god, and I need you to call me. You're a goddess or a theess. Um, um, it's the gentleman. Um, it was so good. It's the new Guy Ritchie movie, and. Mm -hmm. While his movies are like heavily male, um, this one is a lot less heterocentric cis male than most of his movies have been, which is automatically like a yes. Yeah. Um, it's like refreshing, but the story is so, it's so good. Like I kind of, I had a, like one of those kind of like giddy smiles on my face the whole time and all of it was able to be broken down into like different roles. Like I'm sure. like, there's a, there's a deception check right there. Yeah, there's so like, there's Lock, stock, and two smoking check. barrels and, and snatch are both that way, right? That's yes. like a whole a whole bunch of chaotic, yeah. you know, cha weird chaotic dice rolls that result in dogs eating diamonds and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just these and and that, but that's kind of that's kind of it. Like you've sat in games where somebody says something stupid and you the DM goes, that just happened. <laughs> and you write right. it down. <laughs> We've all done it, right? And those are the best kind of like moments when and then an example of where it's like okay, well, this could have been, is the new Star Trek, or Star Wars movie. The new mm -hmm. Star Wars movie was like, I loved it. I thought it was great. And I know that people are going to like flame me on Twitter because of it. Because You, you got but, you got no good answer to that one. Yeah, like, but I mean- Whatever, whatever I mean, you believe, there's a third of the, of the internet that doesn't like it. Yeah, but it was the perfect, it was the perfect uh, adventure. It was the perfect players sitting at the table, starting a story, having a weird few moments throughout, but at the end, they still finished their story. And they did it where they were all kind of like, you can see all of the characters having their little ending. And they would bring back characters from the first or second season of adventures they might have done with their own selves when you see Wedge fly in. But for the most part, <laughs> it's this its this just kind of like solid story that wasn't perfect, but uh, I challenge you to show me an adventure that you have ran that is because we're human and that's not really possible right it's also uh, got planet-sized tombs and huge statues so i'm happy <laughs> but right yeah. like that was i saw it i was like oh look at that it's like a huge tomb and statue. and my wife's like man mike's gonna love this and i'm like yeah. Oh, man. yeah i <laughs> i scared the I scared the person sitting next to me <laughs> when I went and watched, I watched on Christmas Eve, I went and watched that movie because it was a perfect night. And this little old lady was sitting next to me. And every time something was like, I think, oh God, what was it? Something happened. And I just went, 
<laughs> like full on. And I was the only one that laughed in the theater because I broke this moment down into like a typical RPG moment. And this woman just kind of like, <laughs> right? I was going, yes, never mind. That beats, right? that beats my, beats when I saw the matrix with two elderly people who didn't speak English, who were trying to understand <laughs> oh, the matrix. No. <laughs> and they were just screaming the whole time. Right. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. yeah it's... Uh, James, what are the questions you got? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So this question comes from uh, Barillion on Twitter. Uh, they would like to know, does conflict resolution at your paid games look any different than it does at a non-paid home game? So um, I'm going to guess that when they're talking conflict resolution, it's between players. Yes, yeah, I assume they mean some sort of uh, possibly even above the game kind of problem uh, that seeps into the game. Yeah, so my my rule stands for everyone. If I've got a problem or if a player is a problem with me, um, I'm trying to integrate X cards into my tables. Um, they're a really good way to kind of like present that that ability for people to not be stressed about scenarios that are happening um but if there's players who if there's a conflict either between players or between myself and a player um the first thing is always uh off out of game conversations um i will tend to just kind of like make a call or or go with a call until the end of the game and then and then have a one-on-one -on -one. um and not through twitter not on not on text. Um, it's got to be. It's if it's if it's if it's a game that I have at my house, then it's a face to face, um, or I'll take them for coffee the next day, or we'll do like this, where it's like an over, so I can see facial expressions, you can hear tone, and match it to how I am presenting myself. There's no possibility for misinterpreting a word because you read it as a tone that I did not present it as, right? So. Um, that's kind of like my big thing. And then we try and resolve the resolution. Like usually it comes down to like, I didn't feel heard whether it's my conflict or theirs. It's, it's, that's generally what it is. You're not listening to me, um, on either side. And, and often it's just a matter of being able to listen and then coming up with compromise, right? Like if it's a, if it's a rules is written problem, then it's kind of like, well, look, like is it really that big a deal for you? yes or no and usually it's not like quite often if you tell somebody that bring me this next game they will forget and it's not really that big a deal it's just in that moment they didn't get to do that cool thing and that means that you the dm weren't really paying attention to what was going on because the rule of cool should be applying interesting good, yeah good, good good great answer uh Thanks. james what else you got so uh, uh, from Twitch chat, Alpha Stream One uh, oh, <laughs> would would like to know uh, what do you think is the most common reason that groups pay for a DM? Is it no one wanting to DM? Is it that they really want a quality story? Is it that that it forces them all to stick to a game because they're paying something else? Question mark. Yeah. Um, yes to all of that. Uh, I would I would argue the number one reason I hear people say is because they don't want to, like I, I kind of want to DM but I I don't think I'd be very good um, and my first instinct is just to tell them to do it like just dive in I, here go for it like do it 
no no i don't know okay well then i'll do it <laughs> <laughs> but but the other reason is most dms uh i i find that less and less dms are dms because they they were the the nose goes right um i think that used to be the way it was i think everyone wanted to play and everyone didn't want to be a dm because it used to be players versus the dm and I think this new edition has kind of forced that to be different where now it's like players, you are a DM as a player, right? Like you, you're just another player. Um, and I think that's lightened that kind of like conflict part. So I don't think people don't want to be DM anymore. Um, I think it's a matter of maybe people don't know how um, or think that they don't know how when really you're just kind of like, you're the arbiter of the story is what you are, right? Um, and I think another big one is is like, you know, like, like you said, epic story, right? Like if you're, if you're part of the bonus of paying for a game is, is that you're going to commit to it. You don't treat it as, oh, it's just game night anymore. Now it's a thing you do, right? It's like that class that you're taking where if you miss out, you miss out, but you've already paid for it. Um, um, or that, that season ticket that you get, if you don't go, well, you've spent the money and might as well let somebody else go right like so it's kind of like that it's kind of like that concept where you reassociate it in your head so you're more likely to show up every week um but i'm also like trying to be as flexible as i can right sometimes we defer weeks i've, I've gone we've gone entire like i have one of the groups right now that i've, I've an eberron uh, anthology group where we're playing tons of different characters every few games we try different series of characters right so we're deferring for the entire month of march because two of the players are are one is gone on the holiday and one is missing like kind of like weird weeks out so we're like well let's just let's just pull, put it on hold so we'll kick back up in april when they get back i think march 30th is our first day back so it's not hard as long as you're like being aware of what you're doing for your schedule as the dm and then just kind of like set it and here's the dates these are the nights we're playing um and quite often everyone will show up Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's kind of like a mixture of all of that, why people are kind of like the reason why I get hired. Um, I think a lot of it still has to do with fear, though. I'd, I'd say that most people sure. just don't want to be DM because they think that they can't. Um, and I really want to get people out of that. Because I think if more players DM'd, I think players would play better. Yeah. And I think that things like Adventures League would get kind of like more into it a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky that I have a I have a group on Sunday where five out of six of them are DMs. Yeah, you know? so you don't have to stress the rules. No, and they right? know they know when they're being dicks, right? Like yeah. <laughs> they're very yeah. aware of what it feels like on the other side. Works really well. Yeah, I was I was looking for a poll. I think I had run a poll about why DMs originally became DMs, and I ran it about a year ago on on Twitter, and and the respondents to it were the majority of them still were DMs because no one else would do it. That was that was still their primary the, the know, primary answer. I don't. I wish I could find it. I started DMing. I started DMing in the old. Um, what was my first DM? I, I first DM'd in the last Unicorn Games Star Trek edition. So back in the early aughts, that's when I started DMing because I was really I want to play Star Trek. This is amazing. There's a Star Trek role playing game. Oh my god! Um, and my my DM at the time, I kind of like tried to follow his kind of guidance and then i i did what every dm does and i wrote the whole adventure and then i got really frustrated when they weren't doing it <laughs> and then i played after that and i really paid attention to how i played and how i was playing versus how i was dming and 
when you do that, you become more aware of the fact that you're playing to feed the story is way better than playing to feed your character. Yeah. And it, and it, and it will work better for your play every time if all of your players are doing that. And the more you, the more I find I run paid games, the more I find players play that way because they know that the more that they put in, the more they'll get out. And I don't expect homework uh, very often. I've done it a couple times though, where it's like build me uh, my Halloween games. If you come in character as your costume, you gain a level that night. <laughs> and I even have uh, one of my players built a wand of wonder, uh, and it's it's mounted on my wall above the above the like it's at every game and she'll like reach up and grab it and use her wand of wonder at the table. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. James, what are the questions you got? Okay. So this one is from short man in four, 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 uh, in Twitch chat. Uh, sure. It's not four, four, five. I'm sorry. No, that one's, that one's clear. I can see it right here. (laughs) Uh, and wants to know if someone wants to get into professional DMing, uh, what would you suggest they do first? Advertise at a local gaming store, roll 20, et cetera. Work for me. 30% off. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so so I would say I would say if you want to do it, you need to have at least a group that is willing to the willing to pay. You need to make sure that you oh god, I don't even know. Start playing at your store. Start playing Adventures League, talk to your LFGS, run Adventures League games, charge everyone like a buck or two to pay for the adventure. Um, and, and bring people into the store. Some stores will work with you to give you like, maybe it's like five bucks and it goes off a discount to buy something at the store. Some, every store will have their own different thing and don't feel apologetic for charging for that adventure because you've got to pay for it. So straight up, just be like, this is what it is. You could also do five bucks and just start running those adventures and you pay for the adventure and you collect the five bucks from each player and make sure it's okay with its store because you don't want to take money away from your store so they're still around, right? But you want to you wanna kind of like introduce the concept that, and then you've got to be ready. Like, I think that that's the number one thing. You don't want to charge a game and then, and then phone it in right? You can't literally my phone went off when you literally. Yeah. But you can't, you can't phone it in. You have to, you have to really like, you have to really know that you're going to present a really great game. So read the adventure, be ready to go. That's why I say do adventures league because there's, they're almost always solid, solid games that are ready to go. Right. Um, And even if you do some of the trilogies, now you've got three games Here's 15 bucks, run your three games, one, two, three, week one, week two, week three, right? So now they pay the full in advance, they'll show up every week, and you've got regular people who are gonna see you, and you can have like a card, you can have, I've got a website, I tried to do a blog, I'm horrible at it, it hasn't been updated in a year, but I'm always on Instagram, and I'm always on Twitter, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on Facebook, but I like, I try and do these things where I'm like, at least like noticeable, right? I feel no shame in bringing my cards to winter fantasy and running these games that I know I'm going to run well. And then saying, here's my card. If you guys want to keep playing after this, let's play. But this is what I cost. Um, And, and yeah, I kind of judge mine. I judge mine. I charge trying to be aware of how much it goes to a movie. Um, so the way I see it is my games are about two to three hours um, because I work, 
I work I, I work two jobs on top of this game and on top of doing this, um, and and so my time is limited, um, and I transit everywhere, right? So, so you have to kind of be aware of how much time you can actually give to a game, right? And if I want to present a story that's at least followable, I have to give some time to actually, you know, come up with the story too. Um, so my games are between two and three hours, and and I charge as much money as it would cost you to go to a movie. And the reason I do that is because you're going to get way more entertainment from sitting at a table than you are just watching a movie. Um, because you're engaged, you're with it, you're not just absorbing it. <clears throat> um, and if you see a movie that you don't like, like Star Trek, Star Wars, you can go and now you can... But, but that's kind of like, I think that's why I get so frustrated when people get so angry about these games and just in general, not games, these movies is because if you don't like it that much, why aren't you write, write an adventure? Yeah. Like, oh my God, run a game and do it the way you want it to be done and see if it actually goes that way. Because I'm willing to bet you it's not going to happen because you can't force the players to do what they're doing. That's called a novel you're playing a game you're playing something that you want to be able to like have them go yeah i'm gonna switch from dark side to light side yeah. why uh because i don't like like dark side anymore i like the light side this is kind of cool and oh i see my dad and i throw the thing away okay that's awesome <laughs> yeah let's do that great i'm light side now heck yeah you are now what uh I'm i go buy get a, my ship i go okay, I, well, I, I buy a cardigan sweater and then i yeah, go yeah, yeah, fly yeah. to the yeah. place Exactly. Okay, let's switch scenes and let's go to somebody else. Do you figure out what you're going to do and I'll go to the next person, right? But that's all that it is. And and that's the that's a thing. So when you get when you get all riled up on that, it's like just write the adventure. I'm getting off topic. Yeah, well, no, I I I think this this is a a, a big, you know, table pounding soapbox thing for me, which is like more so than just about any hobby, we have control over this. Right, we have control over have control pretty much over all of it. Story. Yeah. And and every time we get mad about something, you know, it's like, Why? fix it, right? Like, yes. go fix it. You can you're, fix it. You're, you're wasting, Nothing you're is stopping you, right? Yes. There's very, very little in this hobby that you can't do on your own or probably buy from about a million other people who are as mad as you yeah. and who they're making some, things. There's some awesome right? stuff like, out there. Yeah, oh it's God. fantastic. So yeah, I, I, there's, there's, I, I'm always, the, the metaphor I always bring up in this is that the, the scene from Blazing Saddles where they- uh, uh, Anything from Blazing yeah, Saddles. They need oh to God. slow down. The big, the, the hundred bandits are coming to town and they need to slow them down. So they go and they put a toll booth out toll in the middle booth. of the desert and all yeah, of the bad guys have to line up. And yeah, so it's yeah, like, yeah. we're going to have to go back and get a barrel of dimes, right? And they all have to line up and go through the toll booth. It's and one of like, the greatest scenes of right. all time. And it's it's such a good example. I, I, I just, I see it all the time of people who- yeah. They don't have any barrier, but they make one for themselves. Yeah, they yeah, create like, one, and they're like, "Well, I can't do X," and you're like, "Change it this much." So and you can do why? Right, right, <laughs> and yeah. So it's that this hobby in particular, like you know, you can get mad about the fact that World of Warcraft went a certain direction, and there's nothing you could do about that. But if you see things going on with D and D, but go whatever way you want. Nah. See, yeah. but that's that's where I disagree, Mike. That you can, you can do something about it. You don't like the way that World of Warcraft went write your new story how sure. did it go yeah yeah, yeah. right you right, can right. do something about it and we yeah. don't we don't focus on that that's part of the beauty of the internet is the amount of stuff that people create oh yeah right sure part of the horror of the internet is the stuff <laughs> that the stuff people, people create, create but yeah. but it's it's like you, you, 
yeah, we're we're getting off topic. James, another question. Yeah, well, I think James would probably have time for one, maybe two. Okay, cool. Uh, so I have a question from Fuse Boy on Twitter. It says that given that a lot of the fun is provided by the players themselves when you play uh, RPGs, does running professionally increase the odds of running into situations where the group leans back and expects to be entertained? Oh, yeah. I mean, what? No. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Or really, shouldn't you be paying them? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, so so can, James, can you read the first part of that question again? Yes. So uh, Fuse Boy on Twitter wants to know: uh, Given that a lot of the fun is provided by the players themselves, uh, does running professionally increase the odds of running into a situation where the group leans back and expects to be entertained? Okay. Um, um, also, the fun was in quotes, uh, if you didn't get that from my dramatic pause. Yeah, I did. That was good. Um, so I think that, I think that that, I don't see it that way entirely. So I don't think that the fun comes from the players. I think that the story, no quotes, comes from the players. Because the players are the characters of the story. And I think the fun comes from all of us engaging in those characters and that story. And I think that's a really, really important kind of distinction. So yes, as a paid DM, I do have players who kind of sit, there. so I'll tell you about my horrible player stories. I had an adventure. Here we go. Yeah, no, well, it's not bad. It's just, I had an adventure group. They, they did a one shot um, and I ran them through an adventure and they they when they built characters it was very much just like oh yeah i'll have one ready no one told me what they were going to play um except for two people so i kind of tried to create a story around that when i got there i knew one of the players from a previous adventure and um all the rest were new and everyone kind of just was on their own sort of vibe there was no real interaction the, the thing I do called the Tim game where I get everyone to kind of like talk about the player next to them or the character next to them, where they create their group kind of concepts broke because they weren't, they weren't willing to kind of like talk about how I met this person. It was how this person met me. So they were, they were forcing each other into other scenarios rather than creating scenarios for their characters for each other. And then on top of that, um, there was just lots of weed around that night. Um, <laughs> Not, not for me, I don't actually partake, but it, it created a scenario where there really was a lot of waiting for me to present um, fights. I want to fight everything. And, and there was like, I, I would say that is my biggest flaw as a DM is I have a really hard time running an adventure that's all about the I need to punch everything because I don't know how to present for you anything that's different from something you could do on your own by grabbing a d20 and rolling to see if you beat that monster that you're looking at in the book. So I don't know how to actually present something for you. Um, and when I left uh, at the end of the game, um, I heard as the door closed, that was the worst game I've ever played in. And I don't think they know I actually heard that. And I just kind of like had a little tear. I'll be honest. I cried on the elevator way down because it hurt. Not because and it wasn't because they said that. Uh, they're entitled to their opinion. I have no malice towards them at all. I don't even know if they're watching. It was, it was 
me trying to figure out how I could have done that differently. And one of them is, is uh, I now have two backup adventures that are always ready to go, that are very Adventure League kind of like built, so that should I ever, ever have that scenario again, I can say, these characters are great, I'd like you to try these, we're gonna run you through, you can keep them when you're done, here's the adventure when you're done, and here's a set of dice, and now you've paid for what you get, you're gonna have an adventure that I know is good, because I've run it for people before, and I don't have to worry about the players not really feeling comfortable with the characters and interacting with each other properly, because I know that the characters that are built will do that for me. So I think that that's kind of like, the most lean backish I've ever had was that scenario where it's kind of like, I don't really know what to do. Um, and I floundered and it was horrible, but it was one hell of a learning experience. Um, and I am actually more grateful for that group than I am for some of the others. The others, I have a blast. I, I look forward to all of my groups. Um, I can have the worst of days and I will have my groups and we will have so much laughter at our tables that it's like, it's, it's one of the most therapeutic things I can possibly have. And I think that that's a really big thing that I focus on is making sure that it's like fun to play. And that's all about the story and taking that story and taking those characters and putting them in scenarios that they wouldn't have thought of on their own, but as a collective, oh man, do we come up with some cool stuff. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, and I think that's a, I think that's a fantastic place to, to end our conversation tonight. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Uh, what a great conversation. Really, really Thanks, awesome man. to talk to you. It yes. was truly a pleasure. Playing, uh, playing your goblin adventure at Win Fantasy <laughs> was 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 absolutely awesome. I am I am contractually obligated to say it was just slightly uh, less good than the Tarask adventure <laughs> that James ran at Winter Fantasy the year before. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's just an absolutely fantastic time. And and yeah, I really appreciate your 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 insight tonight. Really, you know, some some great stuff here. Yeah, thanks, man. It's been an honor to be here. Yeah, so so uh, 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 where can people find you? Where would you where would you uh, like them to find you? At the GM Tim, pretty much everywhere. Um, I have a Twitch stream that's mostly just restreams of other stuff. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time currently to stream, but eventually I will start doing it again. Um, you can find the two adventures that I've got so far on the DMs Guild. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, I even have a YouTube channel that has some of my old adventures that I ran for Star, Star, War, uh, Star Trek. Um, um, I'm probably going to be doing a podcast again soon. Um, and that'll be on uh, the Commentist Network. And I even am, I've been tagged to work with, uh, with uh, Neil Powell and, and Celeste Conowich on, uh, on their new hair uh, supplement, which is going to be amazing. Um, so I got to do some cool stuff with that and Dean Dean a castle. And Oh my God, I'm like everywhere. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> the more I list it, the more I'm like, I feel kind of like, like, wow, I don't have any time in my schedule. I'm so not Canadian. I'm sorry. Everybody. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, hit me up on your best way to get in touch is to hit me up on Twitter. Uh, right. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty good. I'm pretty good replying back on Twitter. Um, if you're just going to like email me and ask me how to be a professional DM, I, I can't answer that. You got to kind of figure out your own way. And I don't mean that in a mean way. It's like partly because, you know, that's part of my business and partly because like every, there are more than just me now and everyone has their own tilt to it. Everyone has their own method. Everyone has their own costs. Um, I know I'm on the kind of lower end and I'm a little averse to charging more and not because I don't think I'm worth it or anyone else isn't, 
but because I want to make sure that I'm always accessible as much as possible, right? So, um, yeah, it's 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 kind of like your own personal thing that you're doing, and and really make it as such. I think um, I think that's true for yeah. DMing as well, right? Like we're all I really do think we're all sort is, of paving yeah. our own paths, and and we can share experiences, and we can kind of learn from one another. But you know, we're all going to have to chart our own journeys too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess like every time you see me at a con, be like, yo, and I'll be like, I don't know you yet. Tell me who you are. <laughs> awesome. Well, I really appreciate you having the show. It's been, it's been great. And, Thanks, and James, man. thank so you very much for, for, for hosting today and, and thanks uh, for questioning us, James. Woo! Yeah, thanks for the, the hard questions. We always love it. And yes, uh, thank you Rudy, to wherever everyone you are. watching. Yeah. Rudy, we miss you too. Yeah, thanks for everyone who watched. Um, <laughs> even Alpha Stream. Love you. Even Alpha Well, <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> hey, hey, did you tell him you got to fight flumps in the goblin game? That's right. Yeah. You did. You got to turn a flump into a and no, no, Evan turned a flump into a mask. I think we all, yeah. But I think I took it was, the tentacles. Didn't like I use the flump tentacles? Yeah, you used the, my, used the flump yeah. tentacles, yeah. Yeah, we used yeah, they all the summoned, the They summoned flumps, Alpha Stream, and yeah. they used them in, in very goblin like ways. I did it for my my Immortan Joe mask that I made. <laughs> it was really good. Pretty, pretty badass. All right. Well, thank you all, everybody. Thank going, you on yeah. Twitch. Yeah, we'll just sit here and talk about our goblin game for the next hour. So thank you very much. And Bye, we will, uh, we'll have another episode soon. Thank you, Tim. Thanks.